Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more powerful conversations with ourselves and with each other to have more powerful relationships. I am your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and joining me today is a very, very special guest, Olivia Reinert. And let me tell you a little bit about Olivia, her background, and why this is such a special. So first, Olivia is going to be our youngest guest that we have had on the show to date. So she is a sophomore at the University of Iowa, where she is studying creative writing. Her interests are writing and editing. That's what she wants to do once she's done. She works on the literary magazine at the campus, The Foundationalist, and in a short time, perhaps by the time we air this, uh, one of her short stories will be published in Ink Lit Magazine. What you should also know about Olivia Reinert is she is my oldest nibbling. She is my niece. And so we've known each other her whole life. And, um, and I was really, I, I was really grateful when she said yes to being on the show because what we will be exploring is her experience navigating Tourette's. But before we get into that, Olivia, what else would you like the audience to know about you? Wow. I love talking about my experience with Tourette's. <laughs> I I adore bringing it up and I really enjoy talking about it. Uh, yeah. She's got a fondness for cats. Like, I, you I know, do. Like, like you've never, you know, never seen. And she's also uh, a, a very talented musician and singer. So, I, I mean, I can like, add in. <laughs> I, try, I try my best. She's pretty great. The other thing is some of you who've listened to our show for a while might recognize her name when we talk in the show notes, because for quite a while, Olivia was the one who was helping us transcribe these shows. And so she, she has listened to most all of them (laughs) (laughs) until she went off to college. I'm definitely a little bit familiar with the format. (laughs) So let's, so, so let's, you know, let's, let's dig in Olivia. Um, You know, one of the, one of the, you know, the goals of this show, as you know, is how can we talk about things that we don't often talk about? And also, how can we bust myths show up differently? So so first, let's just start with, you know, for people who maybe have heard of Tourette's, describe for us, you know, how would you describe Tourette's like without before we get into your lived experience, talk to us about what does it mean to have Tourette's um, from a, you know, from a medical perspective? Yeah, so Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder, and it to kind of describe what it feels like, it's as if mm. my brain was sending messages down to the rest of my body telling me to make certain movements or to say certain things. And it kind of feels like blinking, uh, where it's mm. a very natural instinct to do. And if I can fight it off for a while, but it's usually pretty uncomfortable, so I tend not to. And uh, those movements are called tics, and they can be vocal or motor physical ones. Um, Yeah, I've had Tourette's syndrome pretty much my entire life, since I was about six, seven or so. Yeah, when did I was trying to remember when, like, when, when did it start? But first, before we go there, it's interesting for me to hear you talk about I, I've never heard you describe it in that way. Of like, it feels like a blink. And when you were talking about, you can kind of like hold them at bay a little bit, but not, 
not necessarily like completely. And using that analogy of a blink, it made me think of, yeah, you can hold your eyes open for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But and then after, at some... Yeah. Eventually it gets really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It, I know Tourette syndrome and just tick disorders in general, because you can have ticks without having Tourette syndrome. I know someone who's like that. But uh, it can vary on different people how it feels like. But for me, at least, it it feels like a very instinctual thing. Like hmm. my body's just like, this is so natural. Mm. It, you have to do this right now. It's crazy if you don't, you know, like mm. wave your hand or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's so take us back, like, because I mean, I, I kind of don't remember you without it. But I know that it it started to present itself, you know, like you said, when you were younger. So talk to us yeah. about, you know, what what was that experience like, um, for you? Or what 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 was changing? Or what what were you noticing? Or what was your parents noticing that made them explore? Hmm, there might be something going on here. Yeah. So I actually don't have any memories of what it was like to not have ticks. Hmm. Uh, but based on what my mom has told me, it I I do remember having ticks and that kind of like restless sense of energy in first grade at the earliest when I started blinking rapidly was my first one. And I I do remember having that tick because uh, it it it's easy to satisfy and mm. I can do it over and over and over. So I started, I, that was my very first one. And eventually my parents picked up on that and they took me to the doctor because like, why, why am I blinking so much? Is there something wrong with my eye? And uh, I remember the doctor talking to us and being like, yeah, it's, these are ticks. It's fairly common for kids to get these. It's pretty common actually. The vast majority of them will grow out of it by the time mm. they're 18. It, a minority of children still end up with Tourette syndrome or a, like long tick disorder by the time yeah. that they're of adulthood. It's, uh, you know, like, oh, well, one of the things that I, you know, hearing you describe it as like a restless, a restless energy. I know that um, the the different ticks evolve. And, yeah. you know, for for you, like, and I think just it's helpful if you're if you're comfortable with sharing, like, for people to understand, you know, like what it might look like, or I mean, I remember there were times where I was like, why does she keep stretching her back? Like she keeps, yeah. you know, like, there was a period where you would, you know, stretch her back. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what does it look like? Or what does it feel like for you and your experience of, you know, because it, it was never just one type. And then yeah, we'll start with that question. And then I'll, I'll ask a follow up here in a minute. Yeah, so with ticks, I definitely do have more than one tick at once. Uh, and ticks can last a long time. I'm trying to think of what's, what my oldest one is. I, mine tend to stay pretty static. I know mm. a lot of people who get a lot of different unique ones. And for a while, I was that way with vocal tics. For vocal tics, it can be pretty much anything. For me, mine tend to manifest primarily in whistling sounds. Mm. So I'll make like little bird calls. Um, yeah, it's 
The sensation for those is interesting with the vocal ones because they tend to be inspired by other people talking. So I have a hard time hmm. being around other people who are whistling because it, it's like my brain wants to mimic them so bad hmm. that it's like I know I've said it before, but the really only best way to describe it is it's a very like intrinsic sensation hmm. like blinking where mm-hmm. it's like you just have to do this right now. Yeah, it can vary though, because that's how it is with vocal ticks. But I have a couple uh, motor ticks. Like I have one where I like stretch and I crack my back or I crack my neck. And for those, it's uh, I feel pain if I don't do those. It's hmm. it's kind of hard to describe, but it's just like an overwhelming like sense of discomfort, sort of like an itch. Yeah. What, what, what do you, what do you feel like people get wrong? Like, you know, I, I, one, thank you for doing this. And (laughs) it makes me a little sad that we haven't talked this deeply about this before, because I'm hearing, just hearing you talk about your experience in a a way that we don't usually get to connect. Um, what do people get wrong about Tourette's? Cause I feel like, uh, I just feel like there's some misconceptions out there. So from your, from your perspective, what do you feel like people people get wrong people get a lot a lot people get a lot wrong about Tourette's uh first thing would probably be that it will represent different in every single person and Mm. Tourette's syndrome and tick disorders in general ticks aren't super uncommon I I can guarantee that everyone's met at least one person who's got a tick disorder Mm. like we're all out there um I tend to not be obvious as someone with Tourette's. Whenever I tell people, they tend to be surprised because I'm. mine are all pretty subtle. So it's like, I'm aware that I'm ticking, but other people aren't. And another big one would be that Tourette syndrome isn't just swearing. Mm. So for a lot of people, when they think about Tourette syndrome, they are going to think about, you know, like people uncontrollably dropping the like F-bomb, for example. And that does exist. That's called coprolalia. When you have swearing tics, it's not super common. Uh, yeah, I like I've only had a couple swearing tics. So a lot of people will think that everyone with Tourette's will have swearing tics like those. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think that's those are some of the things like that, that I was thinking about. And then your point about, um, right. Everyone being different. And, you know, and one of the things that I know it, like something that I've learned from your journey is that sometimes they can increase in intensity, yeah. you know, in times of, <laughs> you know, nothing like being on a podcast with your aunt to just like raise talking, the heat a little bit. <laughs> talking about it makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, um, any- but what, yeah. So say more about that, because I think that was something that was that was new insight for me in, in your experience of like, oh, big changes, anxiety, right? Like what what are some of the things that might trigger it to like get more intense? Anything can make it more intense. <laughs> it's kind of I've always thought about my Tourette's as like a physical manifestation of how I'm feeling on the inside. So if I'm really, really excited about something, I'm going to have a lot of ticks. Mm. 
Like I remember, uh, like whenever I have a vacation coming up, I it's going to get really difficult for me for a couple of days leading up to it because I'm like, it's going to be like coming out through my ticks and my body. The same can be said though for when I am anxious. <laughs> so if I have a big test coming up, I remember when I had my driver's ed exam and it was really bad because I was just like so nervous mm-hmm. and I had to focus on staying still. And that was even worse because if I think about staying still, then of course my brain's like, I don't want you to stay still. That's, yeah, we, we need that's you to unnatural. Move now. We need you to move. So, yeah. It, yeah, it, when I'm not, when I'm calm, the ticks tend to be calm. Mm-hmm. There's good and bad times. Um, and it can worsen depending on what I eat as well. I know a lot of people who have to watch their diet because certain things will influence their ticks. Hmm. For me, I can't drink caffeine because it makes it near unbearable. It's, you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about how like, it's sort of manifest how you're feeling on the inside. And, you know, I don't don't know that we've talked about this on the show, but it's certainly something we've talked about in our work, how, you know, stress is energy, even when it's good stress. Yeah. You know, even when you're like excited and you're, uh, you know, call that you stress and versus distressed, and that can still show up similarly, similarly in the body. You know, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about our audience and and knowing that probably a lot of the people who are listening are leaders or HR professionals or in the workplace. And, you know, hearing you talk about the like, the restless energy, the just feeling sort of like the fact that this can be painful if you aren't um, able to move. And, you know, and I'm wondering, like, in what, you know, and you talked a little bit about this with your driver's ed, but, you know, what are some scenarios where um, it can feel difficult? And maybe, and maybe you don't feel this way anymore, you know, because, you know, I don't know where you're at on your journey. But like, I, I could imagine and appreciate that there's probably times where you're just like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> I have to navigate this while wanting to stay focused while wanting to, you know, like, what are some of those scenarios like for you? It definitely can be difficult in some respects. I often have to be delicate about who I tell, Hmm. especially because like of what the like pop culture idea of Tourette's is. Yeah. So I honestly usually withhold it from like, especially in uh, less casual settings. I sure. let people get to know me first, especially mm. with like friends and such. Because like if I go and tell people like head on that, hey, I have Tourette's, they might go into it with a different expectation. You want to make sure people get to know you yeah. first and not necessarily, I, I would imagine like not see you as, as like this being your identity. It's just like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. just part of you have yeah. brown hair and you have, you know, it's not a, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, yep, I got panic disorder. That's yeah. like ADHD. But yeah, like, you know. it's, it's a thing that I have. It's not, I exist without it. Mm. <laughs> it's part of me, but I'm a, like, I, I, I'm a person. Tourette's is like a tiny little aspect of that. 
I could, I could imagine. And, you know, I know that, um, you've only started to get into the workforce over the last couple of years, but you know, I could, uh, I could imagine. So maybe like speculate with me here for a minute. I, I could imagine and appreciate why some people might be hesitant to share at work. Yeah. I don't, I don't tend to tell people when I'm applying for jobs. Sure. Because I feel like it would probably not be good for me. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'll be fine. So it's like, well, (laughs) you can figure it out or I'll tell you way in the future. Once you know that I'm like a good worker and all that. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and there, I mean, again, like there, there can be limiting beliefs people have about what it means, what it can look like making assumptions about, well, how will you behave or what are you competent with and all of that. And, um, you know, and I think, I think the other thing, and this is something we, you know, we explore a lot in our work and in talking with this show is part of, part of conversations like this is so people can become more familiar with it. So they can become, um, they can pay attention to it differently. They can think about it differently and they can think about how they can support people in their life with it. You know, I think that that's something I've learned as, you know, my own experience with neurodivergent from an ADHD perspective is like, I don't know that I would necessarily tell somebody I worked with unless I had a really high level of trust with them. Now, my boss, already, yeah. she knew, like when I was diagnosed, she was like, are you surprised? Because I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I was like, well, good. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate <laughs> that. Um, what are things people like? Let's talk about the, the don't list, the do list, like what not to do. If somebody in your life, loved one, coworker, friend, family, you know, family member yeah. has Tourette's, what what are the <laughs> things, what are traps people fall into that you're like, please don't, just stop? Oh, man. There's quite a few. One that I found a lot is that when I tick, and this tends to be more on like really noticeable ticks people will feel the need to like acknowledge it in some way. Mm. And I've talked to a lot of other people with Tourette's and they'll like talk about other people like cracking jokes about Mm. their tics. And it depends on the individual person, but I would say that if you meet someone with Tourette's don't acknowledge the tics unless the person like gives you the cue. Like I Mm. just let them lead the way. Mm. I've, uh, yeah, I've had some interesting, uh, encounters with other people because maybe I'll have a tick and, you know, it's like, I'm just trying to do my best to like ignore it and move on. And like, they'll draw focus to it. It's like, well, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. Mm. I'm sorry that you think me cracking my knuckle is gross. I think it's gross too. (laughs) One of the jobs that I worked at her this kind of like loops back into people having a lot of misconceptions already about Tourette's syndrome and at one of my jobs I'd mentioned that I had Tourette's and they were like well it's fine because it's not like you'll be you know screaming out the windows Mm. and I was like Mm. "Um, how did you want me to feel when you said that (laughs) like what, what am I supposed to reply to there Yeah, so I just don't say that, things like that. (laughs) 
We'll be back with Olivia Reinert in a moment. You know, I I really love the way you said, like, let the person lead the way. And I think that can be applied to so many situations, right? Especially if we're talking about, you know, various disabilities, disorders, challenges, I mean, kind of in anything, right? Like, let the let the person lead the way. And, you know, and sometimes I think that, um, you know, people people don't always realize the impact of of a joke being sarcastic, right? Yeah. Or to your point, drawing attention to. And and I think that 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 idea of just like letting the person lead the way. What are what are some other ways or what would you add to that of ways people could be supportive of somebody in their life that has Tourette's? I really I, like again just letting them lead the way, going into it with an open mind. Um, like the person who said that to me wasn't malicious about it at all. They they were joking, but it you know it was still a little hurtful. Yeah, I guess it's hard with something that can be as noticeable, and it's like really when like you see someone like loudly saying something over and over in public, it can be hard not to like draw judgment on that Mm. person but i suppose if you know that they have threats and it's for a lot of people it's you can you can recognize it yeah going and go into it with an open mind like there's a lot of cool people with Tourette's. i don't judge them based on something they can't control yeah Uh, act as if they're a normal person because they are they just have their nervous system isn't as happy with them <laughs> as some other people's is. One of the things that I, I was wondering about is like, I, you know, I think about with um, well-intended things, mm. right? People can say, you know, a lot of times, I mean, what's the phrase? Like the pathway to hell is paved with, a, you know, yeah, good, good intentions. intentions. But um, but like, I, I imagine it's almost like, I, so here's what it's, I'm connecting. Like as somebody with anxiety, like the worst thing you could tell me is don't worry about it. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah, I know. And my brain's like, but do it anyway. Yeah. And, and I would imagine it's probably similar if people are like, Oh, stop moving or stop yeah. fidgeting. Like just I can imagine just, that. Just don't do the tick. Just don't. Yeah. Simple as that. Like if I could, I like, Oh, that's never occurred to me before. Wow. <laughs> I'll have to do that right now. Yeah. That, that one's definitely annoying. <laughs> Yeah, I could I can imagine that, especially if somebody's like a, you know, a parent or they have young ones and they aren't, you know, they think they're just screwing around or whatever the case is and not and not understanding it. What you know, I'm, I'm curious. And again, like, feel free to answer or not. Um, like what? How did your relationship with it evolve? Like, you know, was there a turning point? Like, did were you always at a place of acceptance with it? Or was that something that has evolved? Is that continuing to evolve? What is that, you know, what has that journey been like for you? You know, because I think about with like, whether it's neurodivergent, mental health, right, physical disabilities, that what I've learned from my experience is that things I can't cure, I just need to figure out how to have a different relationship with. Yeah. Right? Like, my panic disorder and ADHD doesn't go away. 
So how do I have a different relationship? And I'm, you know, I mean, and because you've, I mean, you are still young on your life journey, <laughs> right? What, what has that evolution been for you with your relationship with Tourette's? Yeah. yeah. Well, I personally, I'm grateful that I've had it my entire life because mm. for me, there wasn't any gauge of not being forced to move, you know, multiple times a minute. Mm. Uh, I have a friend who she knows someone who just like developed it when they were 17 and that Mm. was huge for her because, you know, you live having full control over yourself for 17 years of your life. And then one day you wake up and, you know, it's, it's an adjustment and it, it can be really hard. So I've personally always felt lucky that I don't have it Mm. for me the concept of not having Tourette's feels unnatural. Like it's just, Mm. it's just something I've always had. So I tend not to think about it uh, because, you know, it can be really easy for me to sometimes think about like, oh, you know, people don't have like these pains all the time or they're not scared about accidentally whistling in public because someone else is whistling. And I like that can definitely get me uh, on a bit of a like, bitter thought process yeah so I, the wishing pits that's yeah, what i call the, them the wishing pits yeah the wishing pit yeah it's like oh i wish <laughs> i wish i didn't have Tourette's. i wish i didn't <laughs> do this but there's i i can't do anything about it it was definitely a little bit harder for me when i was under 18 because i i you know like i would hear so much that i would outgrow it or all these other people outgrew it and then mm. I never did. Mm. I mean, maybe potentially I still will one day, but chances are it's pretty low statistically. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was definitely, yeah. I like that. The wishing pit. I, yeah, I basically just had to kind of be like, yeah, I, there's not a whole lot I can do about this. If I don't think about it, like I have it. I can't control it. I'll just do what I can to make myself more comfortable with it. Hmm. It's a, uh, uh, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I admire about you is like this level of acceptance and also just confidence of like, yep, this is who I am. And this is part of my lived experience. And, you know, um, and that's something that I admire you, admire in you quite a bit, because I think it could be can be easy anytime we're facing challenges, right? Like to it's my friend Rachel Sheeran. She's the one who calls them the wishing pits, which I <laughs> so I want to give like props to her yeah. because I think it's such a great description of like, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. Yeah, I wish yeah. I could be different. And like that, all that does is like take a big old slop of suffering and add it on a plate that doesn't need to be yeah. added necessarily. And you start resenting yourself for mm something that you can't control i mean i certainly didn't choose to you know develop it at age six or seven or whenever so like why hate on myself for it you know here's like i have to like here's olivia is a very different 19 year old than i was and it's 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 because i medicated (laughs) <laughs> that may I mean that may help. 
But like, you know, I mean, I, I think something, one of my favorite, I'm going to tell a story and I'm not going to embarrass you. I hope I don't embarrass you because um, it's not my intention. But I, it's something that I, again, like I, I respect and look, look up to in you is like, you know, when you're like, why hate on yourself? You know, and we were um, one of the things that we do with with our nibblings is we take them on a trip. And Olivia and I mm-hmm. went to New York a couple of years ago uh, to go to some shows on Broadway. And we had just done this amazing vintage shopping trip. And Olivia bought this great wide brim black hat, this bohemian. I mean, you were looking good and you knew it. I still have the photo from that night because I was just like (laughs) taking videos of myself in the hotel room. (laughs) And and I remember every mirror we'd go by, you would just sort of pause and smile. And I was like, I must have made some like crack of like you're still still looking good or something and I made some joke and you scolded me because you said would you do you remember this I, do you remember what you told me I probably said something along the lines of would you rather me not yeah you I were like, like would I've you rather just... me you were like would you rather me look in the mirror and like hate myself and I was like oh my god I need it I'm <laughs> yep that's it why yep yeah <laughs> point taken and maybe i should look at the mirror now and be like damn i look good like i feel good and i look good so i love that about you be your own hype woman it's yeah i I mean because like we're raised to like i mean this isn't like really related with Tourette's at all but like no but let's go there but like we're raised to like hate ourselves as women Mm -hmm. and like hate our bodies and hate how we look so i like i take a I take great joy in being like, yeah, no, I, I think I'm cool. I, I love staring at myself in the mirror. I brush up my hair and I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, like, I love thinking of it as like an act of rebellion. Like it, it, the act of yeah. rebellion against the system that says we should like question our looks is to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I, I look good. Yeah. And I feel good. I like looking at, my, at myself in the mirrors when I pass them by. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a challenge to all the women listening is like next time you look by the mirror, right? If you catch yourself hating, just like find some joy in fighting against the system that tells yeah. you you should like not like what you look, you know, I mean, it's like message upon message upon yeah. message upon message, right? Of like, you're not thin enough. You're not young enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not whatever, you know, your hair is not curly enough. It's not straight enough. And take some joy in looking good. Yeah. And that's yeah. a lesson we can all hold on to. Olivia, you know, is there anything that we didn't cover related to your experience with Tourette's, with somebody supporting somebody with Tourette's um, that would be important for us? I mean, because you've kind of hit on like internal monologues like internal ways you can talk, but is there anything that we haven't explored or covered that you were hoping we would? I I would like to just come back to like the fact that Tourette's and again, tick disorders, because you can have ticks without having Tourette's syndrome. It's there's uh there's a girl I know actually who she is very, um, she, you you can definitely tell she's got Tourette's. I was able to clock it the first time I saw it. Um, and I took a lot of comfort and like seeing it, like how her tics are pretty severe, but 
you know, she's out here and, you know, she's just living her life. And it's in an acting class, too. So I, like, really, really applaud her. Mm. And, like, it shows up differently for everybody. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, especially for people who are listening who might be struggling, you know, like, it's sometimes, especially when we think about neurodivergent, right? So autism, ADHD, Tourette's, when we think about mental health challenges, when we think about physical disabilities, sometimes the world isn't made for us. Yeah. And, and so we have to, like, you know, show up in a way that we can be ourselves in this world, right? Whatever that means. So I, I love that story of just like, yeah, she's, she's just doing her thing. Yeah. And I think that I could imagine, I could imagine it could be easy to maybe play small or to try to be invisible or to try to hide instead of just like embracing. Yeah. Yeah. And And she, she definitely doesn't try to be small with it. And I really applaud that. Like she'll have vocal tics in class. She doesn't apologize for it. She, Mm. I know some people where they will like tell a class that they have it. And I know that works for some people and I've definitely been in that position, but I kind of enjoy how unapologetic she is about it. Like, Mm. Hey, you know, she's just existing Mm. and And like, nobody has any issues with it in class. I, that's, I love that too. Where like, no one really acknowledges like those differences in class, I think because she doesn't. So it's like, oh, she just, she just does it. Yeah. And that's fine. That's there's normal. Some, there's something really beautiful about what you said of like, yeah, she's just existing. And when yeah. you think about like those of us who are maybe supporting people, it's just like, how do we just support them in just existing? And, yeah. you know, again, circling back to your, let them lead the way. If it's not yeah. a big deal to them, it doesn't need to be a big deal to you. Right. Yeah. Like, and. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask questions, too. I Mm. like if I tell someone I have Tourette's, that's me opening up the conversation because personally, like I said before, if someone's like, oh, can I you have Tourette's? Can I ask you a few questions about it's like you can ask all the questions you want because I love talking about myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess if you have like curiosity about that, like definitely don't hide that away because Hmm. you know people with tick disorders it it's calming honestly to clear up the air about those and be like oh yeah Hmm. here's like my side of the story kind of here's how my brain works nervous yeah and i would imagine and i don't know i mean i remember i remember one time uh, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode when Nick and I were talking about our mental health challenges, that it was a turning moment for me when he was like, I've never experienced a panic attack. What does it feel like? Mm. And it felt very validating that like yeah. what I was dealing with was real. And, you know, and I, I wonder and I imagine it's probably similar that when someone's like, so how does it feel? And what, you know, like, what's it like? Or what's challenging about it is that it's validating that your experiences real because especially especially you know when you're looking again like it when younger people have it you know whether it's young adults or children i think it can be easy to pass judgment and be like 
oh, they're just making a scene. They just can't sit still. They yeah. can't. <laughs> they just need whatever. to hold it back. Yeah, you just need to sit still. Like, and uh, <laughs> just need to and, sit still. And just validating, I think, could be yeah. really powerful. Well, Olivia, yeah. thanks for being on the show. But before we, we, we fully officially wrap up, we always ask our guests this question. So I will ask, I'll lob this, I'll lob, <laughs> lob, I'm lob this, tossing it, drop at you. it, I'm gonna toss Full it. Force. You're more descriptive. Like, what's a more descriptive way? I mean, you know, for people who are listening, we should probably post some of your stories because Olivia is <gasps> an incredible writer, an incredibly descriptive writer. When she was like, 14 you had me read a story and i remember being like bullshit like did you <laughs> steal this from someone like there's no way so what's a more descriptive way to put you on the spot of like lobbing it over throwing this question at you like a bowling ball right at your head <laughs> you're catching this one are you are you catching <laughs> the bowling ball at your head I, I did because while we were chatting i actually did come up with something okay so. good all right so we're we call this a delay tactic, folks. We're just, you know. <laughs> All right. So here's the question for real. The question that we always ask our guest is, what is a conversation you've had with yourself or someone else that was transformative? So I, in one of my classes, uh, public speaking class, uh, our final project was we could give a speech on anything we wanted. It was entirely up to us. And because I was tired of the class, <laughs> I chose, you know, I, I chose the, you know, easy route and I picked the rats because I didn't have to do any like research for it. You know, I'm, so, so I decided to go on with that. And I had the whole speech written, everything planned out. And then it was like, I think the final week of the, it was like the week of finals. And I had a friend who like, I talked to her a whole lot about like my struggles with Tourette's and we were in a student lounge and I was like, Hey, can I like, like read practice my speech on you? And she was like, sure. And I start reading the speech and like, as I start reading it more and more people come into this lounge and like, start like quietly sitting down and listening. And like, they were when it ends, like they are, they were all just like so intrigued and like transfixed by what I had to say. And they were mm -hmm. just all so nice and welcoming. They just like wanted to, they went into it with a lot of curiosity. The, I definitely applauded one man who was like, yeah, I've, I've never heard of this before. I don't know a single thing about it. So this was mm -hmm. really interesting to me. And I totally loved that I had that chance to open up his eyes. Cause I was like, ask me any question. I, you know, I get that you don't have a ton of experience. I love that you're open to learning about it. And I probably was like, just staying in there chatting with these other people and answering questions about it for at least a good half hour after I'd finished. Hmm. No, knowing that you're like, I'm just going to talk about this. I was going to, you know, do this old, old act to seeing the impact it had. What was that like for you? How did that change you? Um, it definitely made me feel more comfortable in feeling like I can convey my story to others. 
because mm. I did not know how good of a speech it was. I'm mm. not a big public speaker. Mm-hmm. I had picked that topic because it was what I was most fam- most familiar with. And so I wasn't, I mean, like I was already creeping outside my comfort zone by presenting it in front of a, you know, university classroom. And so hearing all that affirmation from people and also like hearing about how uh, open they were to hearing about my experiences made me definitely more interested in like telling people and Mm. talking to people and like also for myself being like more open about hearing about other people's experiences especially with disabilities and disorders and whatnot that's beautiful that's really beautiful and there's something about like my friend bonnie williams always says what comes from the heart touches the heart and there's something about when when we're able to just be our true selves like you know i love that story because it on one hand you're like i want to go easy because this is already a stretch like what like how do i not add to the stress a little (laughs) yeah and like you know but in a in a really beautiful way you know showing up authentically and yeah and honestly uh opened up them and further opened up you i think is really beautiful thanks for sharing yeah so with that Olivia Reinert. This is where we bid our farewell. I do. And I, uh, if people are curious and it would be, if they wanted to reach out to you, how would you like them to do that? Would you like them to send me an email and I forward it on to you? Yeah. Cause I'm not really on very many social medias. Yeah. So if you, so we'll do a couple of things. We'll, we'll post in the show notes, um, some maybe websites that people can go to Mm -hmm. that can help educate them more. Um, Olivia, if you can share with us a story, you might want us to like share with the the broader audience. We can also post that so people can check that out. And if you have a question or a comment or feedback you want to share with Olivia, you can share that with us at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com. And we'll be sure to make sure that she, she gets that message. Olivia so much for being amazing and you and someone that I get to look up to and I try my best (laughs) that's the Olivia I know and love (laughs) all right with that thank you and I love you and we'll talk soon (laughs) I love you too all right bye Olivia Our guest this week has been Olivia Reinert, and I just have to say how I'm so proud of her, and I'm so grateful that she was willing to say yes, even though I know that this maybe wasn't how she wanted to spend her evening. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as somebody who is around her a lot, there was a lot that I learned, and I'm sure that each of you learned a lot, too, and can think differently about Tourette's and the people in your life who may be struggling with tic disorders. I, you know, I mentioned this a few times in our conversation, but I really just love the language she used of let them lead the way. And I think that's a real gift for us to think about in lots of areas in our life, right? Just how do we let people lead the way for what they need? I want to give a huge shout out to Olivia for being willing to join the show and talk about her experience. And we want to hear from you. So you can reach out to us at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com, or you can find me on social media where my DMs are always open. And again, if you want to share a message, 
of what resonated with you, what are you curious about, or just some appreciation to Olivia, you can send it my way and I'll make sure that she gets it. And if you'd like to find out more about our work and how we can better help you and your team have the conversations you might be avoiding and to have conversations that matter, check us out at sarahnoelwilson.com. You can also pick up a copy of my latest book, Don't Feed the Elephants, wherever books are sold. And if you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where not only your financial support will sustain the podcast, you also get access to some pretty great swag and benefits as well. And another way you can support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to. This helps gives us visibility. And so we can continue to invite and have great conversations like we did tonight with Olivia. I want to give a big thanks to our incredible team who makes this podcast possible, to our producer, Nick Wilson, sound editor, Drew Knoll, transcriptionist, Becky Reinert, and marketing consultant, Caitlin Summit Nelson, and the rest of the Snowco crew. And just a final big thank you to Olivia Reinert for sharing with us her journey uh, living with Tourette's. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you for listening. And remember, when we change the conversations we have with ourselves and each other, we can change the world. Be sure to rest and rehydrate, and we will see you again next week. Bye, everyone.